Hello, 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 dear listener. Welcome back to another episode by the Forest Brothers Podcast. You know the vibes. You know the vibes. I am joined here by three of my Forest Brothers back at it again. They're so excited to be here, as am I. So without further ado, let me let my brothers say hello. We've got the boy Ngome, we've got the boy Samson, got the boy Nana. So I'll go over to Samson. How's about you? Show some, show some love. Then Mangoro, you show some love. And then Nana, speak to them, my guy. Speak to them. So over to you, my guy, Sangi. Hello, dear listener. Once again, you are with the Forest Brothers podcast. And uh, yeah, this World Cup, it's been, uh, it's been crazy, hasn't it been, gents? It's been, it's been wild. I don't think uh, I don't think any of us have have a take from last episode that survived. So I'm keen to get into it. Can't wait to discuss it. Can't wait to make other predictions. Oh yeah, let's get into it, boys. Danko, danko, danko. Uh, First brothers back with a bang as always. Uh, hello to my guests here, uh, Mori, Samson, Nana. Today I want to call them guests because uh, I think. I think it's good that we think of ourselves as guests from time to time, but uh, we'll dive deeper into that in, in the podcast today, listener, and I'll explain what I was referring to there. But anyways, hello to you, listener. Uh, hopefully you've had a, lov- a lovely week. You've been enjoying the WC, the FIFA World Cup. Uh, if you haven't, uh, enjoy you tune in now that we're at the knockout stages. Also tune in for the the FIFA documentary. It's, it's mind-blowing. So enjoy that as well, listener. So yeah. Get the show on the road. What's happening? What's happening? I am incredibly excited to finally be a consistent part of the Forest Brothers podcast. It's, it's you know it's fun to you know sit down and have a conversation with the boys about football and all the events that have been happening, and it makes it even more fun when you have a World Cup like we just you know the group stages like we just did. So I'm excited to get into what we've learned, what we are looking forward to, and you know how things have shaped up so far for all these teams in, a, in the World Cup. I'm excited. I know, I wear, I wear, I wear, the brothers. But yeah, you know what? This World Cup has actually exceeded my expectations. I will not lie. I was actually very skeptical in the very beginning. I don't know if maybe that was my own uh, prejudices, but I didn't expect the Qatar World Cup to be as good as it has been. These group stages, they have blown it all out of the water. Honestly, I don't think I remember a group stage as good as this. Probably since maybe the 2010 group stage was pretty good. Russia, I cannot remember a single thing about Russia. I ain't going to lie about that. But anyway, this World Cup, for sure, for sure. And definitely a lot of upsets. Also, a lot of drawn games. Uh, as Samson alluded to earlier, some of our predictions were already gone out the window. You know, uh, teams making it, teams not making it, you know. So just vibes, just vibes. But let me just start the pod by asking the gentleman here, what has been the most shocking result for you? Like, what is the one team that has really shook you and made it? Or what's the one result or anything about this World Cup in general? What has really shocked you first that you can be like, wow, I did not expect that, you know? Let me see. For me, I would say... I didn't expect Japan to do as well as they did. I really did look down on Japan. I really thought they were just here to be some some fodder. But actually, you know, they they, they surprised us. The Asian teams have done pretty well this, this World Cup. So, you know, kudos, kudos to them. 
100 percent uh i was very happy to see them progress so let's yeah you know what good good for them good for them but yeah just just to you boys here what has been kind of like been the most shocking thing for the world cup for you uh i can start with the boy mongoro and then we can move on to the boys samson and nana and then you yeah give me your takes boys what's what's been going on for you this world cup you know for me i'd say uh the boys from australia just touching on the asian theme uh because from what i understand now australia now plays amongst the asian contingent so for me, that was the biggest shock because watching them first game against France, um, they, they got demolished and they know they got demolished. And to see them bounce back from that, because there was a point in time against France there when it was a training session. Uh, they were just passing it for passing its sake, honestly. Even that great centre-back was was looking like a goal scorer of some sort uh, for, for the masses. And... It just goes to show that this World Cup has really just been out there. So for me, honestly, Australia, to come back from that and to beat Tunisia and people's dark horses, Denmark, um, it's been pretty impressive. You know, um, for me, I'd say the Belgium losing 2-0 to Morocco. For me, that was shocking because not that I expected Belgium to be this unbeatable team that, you know, goes all the way, but... I think that game is when I realized that, wow, these guys are like the golden generation is over. Like it's not because after watching the first game, you had a lot of teams have a bad first game um, and you can chalk that up to, you know, the way people came into the World Cup, you know, the the, the, the point in the season, injuries, squads on balance, things like that. But that second game really showed you who teams were really and what they were capable of and the way Belgium just were unable to do anything offensively in that game was, yeah, was, was shocking. I was like, yeah, these guys are really not ready and they're really not going to do anything. So, yeah. I mean, where to even begin, right? But uh, I think outside the performance that Lukaku had in the last game, which completely broke my heart, um, it was hard to see a player of such stature and caliber go through moment after moment after moment of heartbreak. It was hard. But I have to go with Germany. Germany is a team that is usually, you know, famously known to be a good tournament team because they're able to make adjustments on the fly, adjustments from game to game. But it seems like they just didn't have it. They didn't have it this year. And losing to Japan was incredible. I mean, Germany is usually able to take care of business and play who's in front of them. But for some reason, Japan just had their number on that day. And to see them not even qualify was incredible. And it just goes to show you that this World Cup is not necessarily for the favorites, but is up, it's for whoever is up to play at that moment. And I think it's time that we start separating those, separating those you know, elite players. We start have to separate those who, even on their worst day, they can put up you know, a performance that will get their team through to the next round, i.e. the GOAT, i.e. Lionel Messi. Yes, I think I think this is a chance for people to show their real ability. And this World Cup is an opportunity for people to do that. Mm, okay, okay. But you know, I have a bone to pick with some of you brothers, actually, on this podcast. Because I remember 
in the previous episode, I sat here on this exact same pod and I said to you, brothers, that Canada was a team that could not perform, should not be playing soccer, should just stick to making maple syrup. That was it. Even though I want a visa. Canada, I still want a visa. I want to come. Don't listen to this pod. Really, I, I was supporting you all the way out, but ish, you know. Anyways, I sat here and two brothers, particularly Nana and Kosi, both of y'all said Canada was a good team. He said, Canada, we're going to perform the dark horses. Y'all really sat here and hyped those brothers up like you also need visas. So, and as we can see here, those brothers lost all three games. Zero points. Demolished by Japan. No, actually, wait. Demolished by Morocco, Croatia, Belgium. Zero points, nothing but on the table. Guys, what do you have to say for yourselves? Was that shocking or was that right? I just want my flower. I just want y'all to admit you were wrong. Canada's trash. They need a couple more years to play. The academy's trash. Their coach is trash. They don't know how to finish games. You know, the only good thing that came out of that squad was Alfonso Davis. And, you know, he should have played for Ghana instead. But that's a different story altogether. But anyway, what do you boys have to say for yourselves concerning Canada? Let me hear it. Firstly, there will be no flowers given. Let's not lie to ourselves here. There will be no flowers given. Canada played first World Cup in, I don't know if it was the first one or the uh, one the, the longest time. Because in terms of football, the philosophy that I talk about, the playing style, they looked decent. But every time they got into the 18 area, I don't know, they were, maybe they were just scared of Courtois' aura in that first game. Because you saw them. You saw them. Even they missed a penalty. Belgium actually scored against the run of play. Like, they dominated that game. And maybe it was the nerves, like, uh, of, like, just getting to the World Cup and not knowing what to do and not performing. And that was pretty much it. And I think that's where I'd say, like, that's where they lost it. Because even in the other two games, as you saw, as it transpired against uh, Croatia, they were just not at the races, as we saw, like... They were just all over the shop, like too many changes. Uh, there was a brother there playing at the back. Uh, I think his name is Miller. Not very good, that brother. I think, and I think he was one of the leaders. Not very good. Alfonso Davies, for some odd reason, from a left back, he was now Lionel Messi for Canada. And I don't know, maybe the coach gave him the freedom. That was probably one of the problems that just because he plays well for Canada as a left wing. I can play anywhere he wants because he's the best player there. I think that was part of the problem. But when you look at them, uh, sometimes you get them wrong. Yeah, we got this one wrong. Other people had other predictions. They got them wrong. I don't. I, I can safely say in the world right now of 7 billion people, no one actually predicted from match week one all, all 16 teams that went through. I can safely say that right here, right now. Hit me up if you think I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of upsets, but since we're on the topic of Canada, let's, let's try and stay on that. I think there's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of things that Canada has actually has to be optimistic about. Um, outside of, obviously, Alfonso Davies, you have Buchanan, who these are individuals who are experiencing the game and the World Cup for the first time ever. In times like that, you always need someone who's been there before, you know, who's done it before on the big stage. And if you go through Canada from first from the goalie all the way down to the last player on the bench, nobody can actually say they've been there before. 
right? And I think that's important to know when you're talking about tournament teams. And that's why it's shocking that teams like Germany get knocked out because these are dudes who are seasoned veterans in terms of competition play and tournament play. If you have a team of people who've never been to that level before, you know, you're not as clinical anymore. And because of that, obviously, they they went out. You have teams like Croatia, who's extremely um, experienced. Belgium, who can get it done when it's needed until you, until they didn't have it anymore. So I don't think Canada needs to be so down on themselves. I think there's a lot of optimism and they should be happy about a lot of things that happened. And these are lessons that you can get from tournaments like this. Yeah, but still, you boys, so listener, from what you can hear from the jumbo that Nana said, from the jumbo that Nkosi said, Mutsa was right. Samson, just, maybe you should, maybe you are the one who's supposed to say, Mutsa, you're actually right. Canada, we're horrible. We're always going to be horrible. Go ahead, Nan- uh, Samson, just let them know. Actually, I'm going to start by asking a question, Mutsa. Um, who did you pick as your top player of the tournament since you're calling people out and being wrong here you know who, 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 did you have, who did you have picked it's not about that i said no 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 just uh-huh. refresh my memory no no no, no. I, I, uh-huh. I think um, it's, it's a little fuzzy i haven't listened to the last part in a while you know i'm just trying to figure out like who help me out who'd you have well i no no i would say i thought kevin debrun uh-huh. i don't know about okay. that but but what i would say is <laughs> i did say that canada as a team in general another good team and brothers here said they are and we can clearly see that over three game span they just weren't up to it they're just not good enough that's all i'm saying why are you bragging about being right about canada's performance like that is absolutely nothing to brag about we had some type of faith in canada yes we were wrong but is that as big of a failure as kevin de bruyne the man won a man of the match and didn't even deserve it. He knew he didn't deserve it. And you expected him to be the player of the tournament. Him being the player of the tournament means you expected him to go far into the tournament. And he got out in the group stage. Now hold that L. <laughs> and also, and also just to add on to that, my guy, like you were one who actually went out of your way to say that Wales would finish above the USA. Did you not say that? Oh, I did. So it goes, to, it goes to show that there's just some stuff that you can say and not say that sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. And as much as you hold us accountable, I think it's also right that we hold you accountable. So as I said at the beginning, no one will be giving you flowers. There'll be no flowers given here. I'll give you, I'll give you, a, I'll give you the stem. If you want. <laughs> Or in the roots. <laughs> you have the roots, guys. <laughs> I, I'll take the roots. You might blow falling into your face. <laughs> yeah, but no, Samson, did you have more to add uh, before we move on? Oh, uh, no, no. I think I think these guys just about covered it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went, I went. So, one of the other things that we kind of have to get out of the way here is... Um, I know Nana is smelling a little bit too much right now, so let's talk about Ghana for a second. Let's talk about what we saw today. You know what? what you know what went down. You know it ended up being one of those uh, jewels that ended up in death. Everything went up in flames, of course. But Nana, as a Ghanaian yourself, were you happy with your team today? Were you happy with everything that went down? Do you celebrate the fact that at least Uruguay went out with Ghana? 
Do you feel like Ghana could have done better? Like, and also I heard your coach resign today after the, the, the match. He's like, I'm done. I just want to hear your actual honest opinion about what you saw today. Did you feel justice? Are you relieved? Are you still angry? Or are you bitter and happy at the same time? Talk to us, Nana, as a fellow Ghanaian on the podcast. Listen, I think I'm one of those people who felt as though we had to stop blaming Suarez for what, what, what happened. Yes, it would have been easier to score the goal we were scoring. But any Ghanaian, ask any Ghanaian player that if they were put in a situation where they could punch the ball out of their net with their hands and their player will miss a penalty, ask which one of them would not take that opportunity, right? And I think that that failed us because this was a very, that was, this was the most self-sabotaging game that I've ever seen from any team. This game, we self-sabotaged ourselves. Thomas Partey, who is supposed to be our, you know, our rock and our solid guy at the back, he was unable to keep calm heads, keep cool heads when we missed the penalty. Because, you know, in times like that, when once you miss the penalty, it's like, oh my gosh, this is happening again. This is happening to us again. And that was when you needed a dude like Thomas Partey. We can't leave Mohamed Kudus responsible for doing that. Kudus is too young. He's too young. He hasn't seen anything. Um, well, he's, not, he's an incredibly talented player, but I feel like he hasn't played enough games. He hasn't had enough experience to be able to control that situation. That was up to Thomas Partey to say, hey, let's calm down. You know, we're still in this. We had nothing to lose in that game. Coming into the World Cup, we're the last ranked team in the World Cup. Uruguay was ranked 14th. We had our destiny in our hands. All we needed was a draw or a win. Why don't you play for the draw? I'm not here to criticize the DIU for missing the penalty because God knows that's a very difficult thing to do, especially because he was part of that squad. Although he didn't play that game, he was part of that squad. And he knows he has those demons in his head. I can't blame him for missing the penalty because I remember when Asamaja missed, people were talking about, oh, Dede you should have taken the penalty. He's a cooler head, this and that and the third. But that's not up to Dede you to, to take it from Asamaja because Asamaja was the hottest player on the team at that time. My problem with the team is we self-sabotaged ourselves. We got caught up in emotions. We didn't have a leader on the team to calm their heads down when we went down one. Going down one does not mean anything. We've proven to ourselves that we're able to get goals. There's a couple of players on the team that I want to highlight. Baba Rahman, the Chelsea flop. God knows why he was still on that field playing. Baba Rahman was absolutely the weak link on that team. And if you notice, they moved Darwin Nunez over to his side. All the attacks were coming from his side. Also, I want to say, I have to give Luis Suarez some credit. The dude played an incredibly incredible game. The psychological warfare from Luis Suarez was crazy. He was absolutely antagonizing every single Ghanaian player on the field. And he knew exactly what he was doing. That pass he gave for the second goal was incredible. I'll give Suarez his flowers on that. He is still a racist in my eyes, and he will always remain a racist. Secondly, Thomas Partey. He is our star man, but he had arguably the worst tournament of any other player on the field, bar Baba Rahman in the last game. Because I don't know why Tariq Lamte did not come into the game. Lastly, 
I want to say I'm optimistic for this Ghanaian team. I'm optimistic because I feel like the gatekeepers, Andrea Yu and Jordan Ayu, should retire. They shouldn't make it to the next AFCON. They shouldn't make it to the next World Cup. Let's get some type of continuity with this roster. Let's build a team around Mohamed Kudus and Kamal Dean. Kamal Dean is a guy who came on for Jordan Ayu. Let's build a team around those guys. Let's keep a lot of these guys who are already there. And let's start to build that type of culture and that type of camaraderie and teamwork within this current roster right now. And let's quit with the turnover. The turnover is killing us. There's too much turnover from tournament to tournament. There's no continuity. And that's what's affecting us. Because when it's times like this, you need a team that's together. You need a team that's played enough games together to be able to make, you know, to come out of such situations. And that's what we don't have at the moment. What do you boys think? You know, just touching on uh, what you just mentioned, I think the biggest piece is everything that happens in the darkness, uh, the decisions made at the FA level, the Ghanaian FA level, uh, came to the forefront at this World Cup. Because as much as Freddie Adu, the coach, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if that's his name, uh, I just know it's Adu, he was with uh, the coach who used to coach Brighton, Chris Uton his assistant and they're both european based coaches and they don't fully understand the Ghanaian players they're bringing because it looked like for me the selection looked like a mismatch of just players from anywhere because you look at terry glamty he i don't think i don't know if he had played for ghana before this world cup inaki williams likewise uh there there was a possibility of calling callum hudson a doy so those kind of things kind of paint a not a not so positive a picture on like the longevity of the team going forward because now you uh it's the whole argument around square peg and round holes kind of situation that you're trying to shoe on people into things that they're not really suited to and that really affected the team and you look at the team that has had continuity in the coaching staff the african coach are they through to the they're through to the next round you look at uh, Senegal, uh, uh, the coach that sees has been there for years. They've won half fun together. They've been through it, the highs and the lows. And he's, got, he's still, still been with them. Now they're in the next round of uh, the World Cup. So that kind of just paints a picture as to like how things are supposed to be done rather than it's the World Cup. There's a lot of influence from people that are not related to this stuff. And they're like, let's start to bring in all these European players. And there's one brother I would like to call out, uh, just uh, just on the defense. W w shambles, shambles. Daniel Amate for me, I think, I think I don't even know how Leicester still employ him. Like that brother was very very poor, and I think he needs to take a closer look uh, there when he gets back to England. On like, did he perform well at this World Cup? Sorry, I have something to say. Daniel Amate probably is the defender with the lowest IQ I've ever seen. His IQ is incredibly low. He should not be the one instructing and directing the defense. No, absolutely not. I won't give that responsibility to Salisu either because Salisu is an individual who, if you tell him to do this, yes, he'll go out and do it for you. And he's prone to mistakes, right? Salisu is prone to mistakes. And that's why you need a rock-solid centre-back who's able to clean up those mistakes. For example, you have Matip and Van Dijk kind of um, 
dynamic, a Sergio Ramos, Varane kind of dynamic where, you know, there's a there's that one defender who goes out, makes the tackles, goes in for the interceptions, you know, gets, you know, kind of um, takes risks. And then there's the other one who cleans up the mess. I can't have Daniel Amati responsible for that. His IQ is not high enough as a defender to be able to do those things. I rest, I've, I'm done. Yeah, you know, going into uh, the, the, the Ghana group here, that was the concerns we had last part about this Ghana team. Yeah, that, that back four is scary, man. Like, that's that's a, like three of those guys, you know, make mistakes regularly, you know, uh, in their respective leagues. Raman doesn't even play in the Premier League. He plays in the Championship. Uh, you have Lamptey who, at you know, towards at some points this season couldn't get into the Brighton team. So yeah, it's not it's not it's not it's not an easy uh, situation when that's what you have to deal with. Like overcoming defense is like one of the hardest things you can do in football because and honestly in any sport really, if you can't stop the opposition from scoring. You, it's it's just a, a losing effort each time. So yeah, um, unfortunate, but hopefully some better players come through, and that defense can be fortified moving forward. Yeah, no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, I mean, it was sad, but like I was saying, at the end of the day, at least Ghana can feel some justice at the fact that they got to drink some Suarez tears. You know, it, 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 they were thirsty for a decade, at least. Hopefully those give them some nourishment and closure. So I I, I send my hugs to all my Ghanaian friends today. That's that's what I do. Hopefully a lot of them are not finding themselves at the bottom of a bottle. I know some probably are, but stay safe out there, ladies and gentlemen. Stay safe out there. But you know, let's let's move on to round of sixteen and actually who went down to to round of sixteen and and everything. So. Listener, in case you have not been uh, keeping up to date with all the happenings and who won the group stages, the Frost Brothers are here. We'll hold your hand through it. Don't worry. We got you. So on one side of the round of 16, we have Netherlands playing USA. And then the other one is Argentina playing Australia. So whoever wins that game, those whoever wins each one of those games moves on to the quarterfinals. And then on the other side of that, we've got Japan playing Croatia, and then with Brazil playing South Korea. And whoever wins those two will meet each other in the quarterfinals. And then on the other side, we have England playing Senegal, and then France playing Poland. And whoever wins from that four will meet in the quarterfinals. And then we have Morocco playing Spain, and then Portugal playing Switzerland. And then whoever wins that goes to the quarterfinals. And then, you know, the rest, whoever wins those quarterfinals goes to the semis, semis, meet in the final. So let me actually start with my boy, Sangye, here as to, let's go with some predictions, actually. So, Samson, predictions for you. Uh, for you, uh, let me let me hear what you think about the Netherlands, USA, Argentina, Australia, who moves from that pool into the quarterfinals. And then, um, yeah, let me hear your opinions on that. Well, I'd just like to say, you know, uh, even though I got a lot of things wrong, um, I'm happy that my romantic take on the final is still on. Argentina and Portugal, it's, it's still on, baby. It's still on. We, we, we can do this. We can have the dream final. And uh, yeah, I think Argentina will go through to the, the quarters. As good as Australia have been, I just don't think Argentina will will give up now, you know, g- given how dire the situation was. 
before and they managed to climb out of that. I, I just don't see them losing another game they're supposed to win like this. Uh, states, Netherlands, I, I'm actually, I was, I've been pleasantly surprised by the United States uh, this tournament. I thought it would have been, I thought they would have made a, a mess of their group. Um, still kind of expected them to go through, but I thought they would have hiccups. Um, but they've been, they've looked solid. The Netherlands have also looked solid. This is, a, I feel like this is a close game because the Netherlands have not dominated teams offensively too much. The United States have not, have looked okay. So, yeah, um, I think Netherlands will go through. I think Netherlands and Argentina. Okay, Netherlands and Argentina sounds good. Yeah, let's that that should be a decent game. Yeah, uh, uh, I'll be I'll be interested to see if like imagine if USA and Argentina play together. But anyways, so for you, uh, Mister Mangoro, if you are to see between Japan, Croatia, Brazil, South Korea, who are you looking to move out of those two games and move into the quarterfinals? Um, I think the boys uh, with the checkered shirts. I think will be Japan, and I think it'll it'll be like a simple like two zero win. Uh, with Brazil and South Korea, I could I could potentially see a pasting there. I think Brazil could actually give uh, Korea something to think about, like a, a very convincing win, honestly, because the quality is not the same. You saw the team they fielded uh, the last game against Cameroon, even though it lost. That team could literally beat the South Korea team as much as they got went through today. That was the other thing. Like I was thinking of when I was watching the Ghana game, is like as much as Ghana can celebrate, even if they were to celebrate going through, this is what they're waiting for. And the rumor rumor has it that uh, Neymar Junior uh, could be back for that first uh, for for that uh, run of sixteen games. So it could be a bit of a, a hard game for any team that faces Brazil right now. You know, I'm kind of sad that we don't have to, we don't get to see the match between Kudus and Neymar because Kudus felt like he is better than Neymar, just that Neymar gets more mainstream uh, attention, apparently. So I'd have definitely loved to see the matchup. It, it, didn't you say that, Nana? Didn't you say he's better than Neymar? Point of correction. Mohamed Kudus never said that. It, did he not? Or did I hear that from some tabloids? He never said that. He never said that. That was a propaganda. He never actually said that. Ah, so Guardian, stop lying. Okay. Anyway, uh, actually, yeah, Nana, since you're on the line, let me let me come to you. In the matchup between England, Senegal, and then France and Poland, who are you seeing moving on to the quarterfinals there? It's quite unfortunate because I had England going all the way, but now they have to face the one African team that um, I was actually rooting for outside of Ghana and Cameroon. So. Unfortunately, I have England beating Senegal, and I don't think that's as straightforward as many people would think, obviously, because Senegal has shown that they're a very cohesive unit. They're strong-minded. They're obviously physical as well, and their set pieces are incredible. They know how to get players in a box. They know how to find these creases, and Koulibaly is an absolute force to be reckoned with, right? So these these... These little matchups make it hard, but I think England comes through. And my prediction of Jude Bellingham being the young player of the tournament still holds. Um, obviously, I, I see France beating Poland pretty handily. I see them beating Poland pretty handily. And I think 
um, Mbappe tops off some more goals. And I think this is a game where Giroud steers clear of Thierry Henry. I know some people refer to him as a centre-back, but I've never seen a centre-back score as many goals as he does outside of maybe Ronald Koeman or John Terry or Sergio Ramos, for that matter. So I think um, England, Senegal, England goes through, France, Poland, France goes through. Did you ask me about Portugal as well or no? No, no, no. Yeah, that's, I was just asking. But since we're on the topic right now, since Nana just touched on England right now, let's maybe, since, you know, we are avid watchers of the Premier League, we have our favorite English players, what's your boys' take, actually, on this England squad? I know Nana touched on it a little bit as well, but I just want to hear you guys' analysis of what you saw in that team. You know, did, is Southgate getting it right? Is it getting it wrong? Because in my opinion, the man Southgate, I still don't know how he, this man has a job. Uh, I don't know why he played Henderson in that game, you know, where they drew against the USA. Like, to me, that didn't make any sense. So, it, it just tactically, it's not making sense to me what he's doing. Um, so, I just wanted to hear you guys' opinion, just analysis-wise, of what you think is going on with the English team. Give it to me. Nana, go ahead. I'll, then I'll move on to the Boeing Jose. And then, Sangi, if you have any opinions on that, go ahead, my guy. Well, first of all, I'd like to say... England will go as far as Gareth Southgate takes them. And I mean that if he does not sabotage this team. You are playing in a game where you actually need to score. But you bring on Jordan Henderson. You bring Jordan Henderson on for Jude Bellingham, who is actually a threat going forward and is able to hold play. And you leave Phil Foden, your best or one of your best attacking threats on the bench. And I feel like the only reason why he played Foden in the last game is because of pressure from the public. Generally, I don't feel like he thinks Foden is good enough to play in his team, which is absurd to me because Foden should be starting. Foden and Kane should be the two guys who start and then he fills in the, uh, an entire roster after that. But I don't think Gareth Southgate understands that. And England is only going to be sabotaged by Gareth Southgate. And I truly believe that once it comes down to England versus France, if they make, the, make it through, the coaching is going to be the biggest key. Because talent-wise, obviously France is incredibly talented. England is not far off. Top to bottom and on the bench as well. I think cohesiveness, playing together. These guys have played on the same level for a very long time. These guys understand each other. I think that is very important to understand. Now, if you go onto the field, obviously that matters a lot. Harry Maguire is having an incredible tournament so far, and I hope I haven't jinxed him. I really hope I haven't jinxed him because this works out for Manchester United as well. That's my team. But he's had an incredible tournament. He's been a leader, and he's done a great job at avoiding mistakes. Let's see if they can keep it through. But I think England goes as far as Gareth Southgate takes them. You know, what's actually very interesting, as I listen to all these people talk about the England team, is that we have 16 different teams from all over the world. Spain is a big hitter. France is a big hitter. Brazil is a big hitter. What I find interesting, and people are saying Southgate out, is that all of us, when it comes to England, were the coaches. Yeah, this one would have been better. Should have played this one instead of this one. But all the other countries, your Spains, your Frances, your Portugals, no one's saying this, but Southgate is catching the most flack for not playing a specific individual. When it comes to England with the coaches, 
any other country now or not the coaches. Keep in mind that uh, the times when I, I agree, he's made some very dubious decisions and they've, co- they've come back to haunt him, uh, honestly. But keep in mind, this is the same manager that took them to the Euro, the final, when no one expected it. Semi-final, the last World Cup, they lost in extra time, potentially in the final. So that could have been two finals in the last two tournaments that England have contested. The one thing I could actually see him do, which if he doesn't happen against Senegal and they go through, I, I can safely say it's going to happen against France. If they, if they play France there, he's going to bring his three centre-backs and he's going to play his five defenders. That is definitely coming. That, that's going to be the script going forward. And he's going to play that way and just be pragmatic and hope to go through. Because even against the US, bringing on Henderson, he was being pragmatic. He was like, the US is killing me today. I got it tactically wrong. Let me consolidate with Henderson and get a draw. And then I'll win this group with seven points, which is what happened at the end of the day. Yeah, um, I think it's just part of who Southgate is, is... Uh, in terms of his mentality as a coach. Because in that game, the obvious move was... Because it's not like they were out of it against the United States. They they could have done things, right? But I think Sotke is the type of coach who asks himself in a game, you know, as he's making decisions, how are they hurting us and how can we stop them? Instead of asking, where are they vulnerable and where can we attack them? And for that reason, you know, I've, I've come to make peace with the Henderson your substitution uh, or the um, if there's like a a, a Kyle Walker substitution in the, you know, at, 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 at like 60 minutes because I know it's just part of who he is it's 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 his mentality he can't get away from it you know he used to be a center back you know in, in the day so maybe he it's just what he knows you know at his at his base level but the thing about that playing style is that it actually works to his advantage in tournament football and knockout football if you can be clinical enough going forward. So we'll see, you know. I think it was a big reason they made it that far in the World Cup. I think that back three in the knockout stages was really, really worked out well for them because they could just soak up a lot of pressure and guys could stay, you know, fitter for longer in the game and be able to attack a bit better. But we'll see, we'll see. Um, the, The main argument, though, is that this team is too talented to just sit which is, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. I, I, I still think uh, it's going to be tough for them. Um, I mean, France are in, on their side. They have to go through France. I mean, no, they have to go through Argentina. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. You know what? To be honest with you, I think the, the, the level of quality in this World Cup is actually fairly high. Like, watching all the group stages and everything, I have noticed that you know, yeah, there's there's poor pieces here and there, but for the most part, any team right now, as we've seen in these group stages, any team can win it at any point. Like anything can happen, especially against the big hitters. So, but I do know though for a fact that if England beat Senegal and meet France, I don't see how any of that English backline will survive Mbappe. I just don't see it. Maguire will look like a French snail in front of that brother. I don't see how any of those brothers will be able to handle the boy Mbappe. I, I just literally do not see it because Mbappe has been on fire this World Cup and I think he could just walk around that back line like it's nothing. 
even if Southgate puts the whole team back there, I don't see it happening. So uh, I, I just don't know who can contain him. Maybe Samson has has a has a plan for Southgate to be able to contain the boy Mbappe. Samson, what's your take? Well, this is why you have Kyle Walker on the team. And this is why you have um, the Man City guy, Phillips, in the team. So I predict he's going to go to a back three when they get to France. It's going to be Kyle Walker on the, as, a, as a right center back with Trippi as, a, as a, um, a right wing back. And then in the middle, it's just going to be Rice and Bellingham. Or, or even if he wants to go more defensive than that, it's going to be Rice and Phillips or Rice and Henderson. Then just you know, Bellingham, Kane, Sterling, front three. You know, something like that. Because this guy, you know, the, the goal is just going to be put as many bodies between Mbappe and the goal. Because he did that a lot <laughs> with the World Cup. And Mbappe likes to play out on the left. You will see Mbappe trying his hardest to come into the middle and just finding bodies. And that's just going to be it. I actually think if they face each other, Giroud has to be the one to come up with something or someone else because they're going to make sure not Mbappe. Like, guarantee, I can guarantee that. My guy, my guy. Mbappe is pacing the boy Walker at any point he wants. Mbappe will, pay, will run off Walker, my guy. Walker will actually look like he's walking in front of Mbappe. Walker's old. Well, it's going to be Walker... It's going to be Walker and Trippier. So, like, both of those guys are going to guard Mbappe at the same time. That's that's going to be the goal, to get both of them in front of him at all times. So, good luck to Mbappe, I guess. So, you see, that's why I always mention that in these situations, if they're double-teaming on Mbappe, like if it's Kyle Walker and Trippier picking up Mbappe, that's freeing up a space for another French player and that's when I say, like, you need a dynamic center forward. Someone who's going to peel off into the space that Kyle Walker leaves him behind. And I know that great center back is not going to be doing that. He's just going to be static there and acting as a barrier to the goal. He'll be a sixth defender for England. And if you put someone like uh, Marcus Turam, Lillian's son, he can certainly do that. Run the channels and give England a different idea. Because on the other side... Uh, Dembele will be terrorizing Harry Maguire. So you can see like those kind of things occurring in the game because I saw Luke Shaw. He, he looks convincing against the teams that are afraid of him, but the teams that take him on, he struggles. And same, same, same goes for Harry Maguire. So we'll see that happening. And, but I know my boy, uh, uh, Deshaun will put, will put his usual center, center back there up front and, It'll just be static and everything will just be not going anywhere. I think maybe Griezmann will have to do something special, honestly. What's what's even incredible is as fast as Mbappe is on one side, you have Usmane Dembele on the other side, which is actually unfair for any team to have to deal with. And I can I hope I might be wrong, but I hope Trent Alexander Arnold is not in for that game. Because we actually need people who would defend. But leave it up to Gareth Salgate. He'll go against the grain and he'll do something else and he'll play Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mark my words. Yeah, I mean, if he plays the boy Trent-ish at that point, I, 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 think, I think it'll be apparent that Gareth hates the brother. You know, he can play him against Senegal. It's fine. You know, Trent might get lost within the brothers. But put him against France-ish, well, he might still get lost in the brothers, even though he might be lighter than all of them. But still, point being that-ish... Trent, 
It might become Trent Alexander Arnold, you know, who, who knows? Anyway, moving on to the other final um, portion here before the listeners forget. We have Morocco playing Spain, Portugal playing Switzerland. For me, I would say that Spain should beat Morocco, but from what I've seen, Morocco is like pretty strong right now, man. So it's not going to be an easy game for Spain. I think that Spain is a young team, but from what I've seen, I think Morata's on fire. I think Gavi's on fire. So I don't think Morocco will be able to survive just the speed and intensity and passing. I don't think they can survive that unless if they like just counter and Ziyech does something phenomenal. Because he's playing really well right now. I don't know what it is in the water for these Chelsea players, but when they're not in the bounds of the establishment that the boy Ted Bowley has created, they out, they go there and shine. Man of the match performances. You know, you start thinking, where do these brothers play? I'm like, oh, they play for Chelsea. You know, the only player who played for Chelsea who actually performed the way a Chelsea player is supposed to perform is Lukaku, which wasn't surprising. So, uh, other than that, it's been very shocking. So, uh, it's been, yeah, you know, and I think between Portugal and Switzerland, Portugal will take it. I think that should be easy. If Portugal get knocked out by Switzerland, I think Cristiano would even shun them in, in like, you just shun them. So that's what I, that's what I predict for that quarterfinal. He might, he might go to Pierce Morgan and talk about it. <laughs> he might, he might, he might, he might, he might talk about it for real. So, um, let's actually, so yeah, so that's, that, that was quarterfinals. So let me just get the rundown. Maybe, I don't know if predictions have changed here between the brothers, but let me make sure the fans keep abreast on what the brothers' predictions are for the semis and the finals. So let me start with the boy, Samson. Samson, in terms of semis on that side of where there's Netherlands and the USA and Japan, Brazil, what are you seeing as the semifinal and what you see is going to, who's going to progress to the final on your end? So uh, I'll give it up to you, Samson. Tell us what your prediction is. If it's changed, or if it's unchanged. So, so the semi-final on the left side of the bracket, uh, you know, yeah, I think Netherlands, Argentina, and I think Croatia, Brazil, Japan, and South Korea, as 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 well as they've done to get to this point. You know, I I'm, I can't expect South Korea to beat Brazil. I, that that's just unrealistic. Croatia, I think, are a very good tournament team. Um, they started slow, but even the way they score, man, like late in the halves, you know, like they wear you down and pick their moments. That's, you know, that's a, that's a skill that not many teams have. So Croatia, Brazil, Netherlands, uh, Argentina. And then, and then final, like just generally who's going to the final from that side? Oh, I mean, okay. This is where I get, uh, so like I said before. The like like my logical pick for the final, if I was thinking just you know as as a regular analyst of the game, Brazil France is what I would say because those are the two strongest teams. They're playing the best football right now. I expect them to go far, but I will say it again, boys. I will say it again. You see, I got my red do rag on today, feeling particularly romantic today. You know, my romantic view, my romantic dream is to see Messi Ronaldo in the final that dream is still alive boys it is still very much alive and I I hope I get to see it I hope I get to see it because I would love just any one of them I don't care who anymore Ronaldo if Ronaldo wins I that's an L I can hang over Nana for life or any other United fan that's that's a huge L I can just hold over every United fan if Messi wins then he, he's he's the goat 
and we can proudly and boldly say it every day, you know, without anyone, you know, clapping back or anything. So either way, I'm winning there. So yeah, but yeah, Brazil, France in the final, probably. We'll see. You know, I just want to just uh, dumb it down a bit uh, for the masses. Uh, with our certified lover boy here, I think it's getting a bit too excited here, honestly. And and just let let the viewers or the listeners know that Portugal are not going far. Like, I wouldn't put it past them to drug in Switzerland and lose on penalties and it's the end of the road. That, that, is a, that is a strong possibility. Let's not rule that out. Argentina, too many individuals. They're not going to go far. I don't even see them going past Holland, even though Holland by themselves are just not that great. I mean, they have, co- they have Gabco. I think Gabco has actually had an exceptional World Cup, and I think just based on that, feed the ball. Route one, feed him, feed feed it to Gabco. He'll 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 take care of business. But actually, since you're here, Mangoro, let me let me ask you: semi-final, final, who's going through? Actually, no, let's just talk about final. From all these right now, from what you've seen in the World Cup right now, what's your final still? Who are you seeing there? It it, it has not changed. The Salasau, Brazil, will be there. The, king, the, the, the kings of the, of the beautiful game of soccer. And then our first brothers uh, from uh, Paris, they will also be there. They will be present at that cup final and they will defend it. Very simple. It's not waste, let's not waste the, the listeners' time and just drop the reality. You're right here, right now. <laughs> and then on to you, Mr. Nana. Uh, is your predicted final still unchanged? Or have you seen something new in these group stages and you feel like, wow, this 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 changed my opinion. I think the final will be different. What, what, what's your take on that, Nana? Um, I must be, I must confess. That second game England played and the tactical decisions Gareth Southgate made made me very, very nervous. Right? And because of that. I see France making it all the way to the final. And I see them going up against Argentina in the final. And let me tell you why I still have Argentina. And this is, it's evident in a lot of pictures, right? When you see Argentina come out onto the field, who's the first person to touch grass? Messi. And everybody else follows. That is how Argentina plays. They make sure that Everybody does their job and does it exceptionally well. And then when you need that moment of magic, be it an assist or be it a goal, because Messi is versatile like that, unlike some one-trick ponies we know. Messi is versatile like that and is able to give you either a goal or an assist. And the way Argentina plays and plays for something bigger than themselves, I think they make it through and they beat Brazil. Because with Brazil, there's too many cooks in that kitchen. Way too many cooks in that kitchen. You have Vinicius, who is a game-breaker. You have Richarlison, who's proven himself to be a game-breaker. And you have Neymar, who is the absolute, the absolute game-breaker after Ronaldo and Messi. Too many cooks in that kitchen. And I think because of that, Argentina will make it all the way to the final and they face France. And that is when we finally lift up Lionel Messi as the GOAT, the absolute GOAT of football. And the path looks very similar to what Spain had to experience a couple of years ago. Just just putting that out there. Well, I don't know what Nana's talking about because in that Argentina team, it's aging. 
They depend on Messi too much. If Messi is not having a good game, honestly, I don't even know if Messi is going to be the one to take them through this thing. I think maybe like Alvaro, what Alvarez might be like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I still don't see it. But on my end, yeah, man, I think, I think France were looking quite, yeah, I think they're the only team that pretty much won with almost all their points. So I think France for sure should be going through. I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah, I think Brazil should be able to make it. They, they do have a talented squad, but I wouldn't put it past Croatia to beat Brazil. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like to me. I could see France playing Croatia at the very end. You know, I could see it. I can see it. So you never know, man. You never know because I just hope for an upset. I hope that Australia just knock Argentina out and we have a good laugh and you know. We go buy a pet kangaroo, uh, all that crazy stuff. I, I, I just think we'll just be, we'll just be really happy about it. You know, I might even take a holiday to Australia. You know, I, I, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. People might have to call me a young koala for the rest of the year if Australia beats Argentina. But <laughs> anyway, uh, listener, well, we hope that this little rundown of the group stages has been informative. Uh, it certainly has been a very exciting World Cup. We'll give it that much. Uh, there's been a lot of negative press, as we said earlier. You know, people didn't expect this World Cup to be as good as it is. Uh, I don't know. Actually, maybe this is just a final question to the boys. Do you see things right now maybe calming down? Because the group stages are kind of chaotic, right? Because anything can happen. It's based on points. But now it's based on performance and who wins games and who like penalties are involved now as well. So in that regard, I don't know if the energy and the upsets and the, all that stuff is going to be the same so maybe the group stages is as good as it gets so maybe that can be just the final thing we just have a little chat about like do you guys foresee the world cup moving forward being as exciting as it was in the group stages or do you kind of see it tapering off into sort of like the obvious i can i can start with uh, uh samson there well, um, what else is, I, I still think it's going to be exciting just because we've seen examples of, I think, all the teams here, maybe with the exception of, of Poland, be very aggressive in creating opportunities and throwing men forward and also being vulnerable themselves. So, yeah, I'm not sure there's going to be too many games where guys are just parking the bus and waiting for pens. I think these teams, like even the teams that that will counter attack, like uh, I expect Australia to sit deep, Switzerland, um, Japan. I still expect them to have moments where they excite us, and goals are scored, and there's pain, there's heartbreak, and joy and celebration. I, I expect all that. Still, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun knock around. Uh, listener, get your popcorn ready. Uh, get your Budweiser Zero Beer uh, ready. I think it's going to be a very nice uh, knockout stages. I think we, have, uh, we haven't seen uh, even the half of it because now the stakes are much higher. Uh, it's, you lose, you go home. So teams now are going to be throwing the kitchen sink at it. So we're going to watch some very entertaining stuff. There'll be a lot of excitement. I think if y'all thought... There's an excitement with everything that's happening uh, in the group stages. You ain't seen nothing yet because literally this World Cup, we're at a point where 
in the 70th minute, there's literally 30 minutes left in the game. To tell you the honest truth. Like, people are playing 100-minute 100, 100 games right now. And that's just, like, the norm. So, you can literally score two goals once it hits 90. Because, you know, once that man picks up that that board to end stoppage time, eight or nine minutes has been the norm. And all the VAR controversy is certainly going to contribute to the narrative. It's It's just... It's just going to be exciting, listeners. So tune in, take uh, the PTO, as they call it. Uh, get some time uh, to yourself. Uh, take some time away from school if you're in school. Uh, take some time away from your partner if you're with your partner. And watch the World Cup. <laughs> Listen, I think, I think we have two more upsets coming. Two more upsets. And I think those two upsets are on one side of the bracket, if I'm being very honest with you right now. And... I know, I know somebody's going to say I'm a hater for saying this. But let's not sleep on Switzerland. Let's not sleep on Switzerland pulling off the upset. Because as much as Portugal won their first two games, if we could all sit here and say they won those games convincingly, we're lying to ourselves. Ghana was a slip away from tying that game. And they were not as convincing against Uruguay as we all think. And their star man is yet to show up if we're being all the way real about it. Cristiano Ronaldo is yet to show up and give us a performance that we know is able to produce. And I think because of that, Switzerland have an opportunity to upset them. The second upset, and I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but Senegal. Senegal just needs to drag England into the deep waters. They drag England into the deep waters and we see how Gareth Southgate adjusts. If he's unable to adjust, I think that's when they start to smell blood in the water and they attack them. And I think those are the two major upsets that I see coming right now. Um, I might be wrong, but I think those two upsets come on that side of the bracket because I feel like that side of the bracket has a lot more parity in in terms of talent and in terms of team play okay okay yeah i'm also hoping to see some upsets uh i definitely hope the senegal knocking land out that'll be great that'll be fantastic so that our premier league players get some rest before the premier league starts so you know i want harry kane to be nice and you know just drinking some water at home playing with his kids before spurs go uh, go ahead and win the league so i definitely want him to just chill and relax um but yeah, I definitely hope I'm hoping for upsets. Uh, I think it'll be great. You know, who knows, man? We might, we might end up with a final where it's Morocco versus Australia. Wouldn't that'll be vibes? You never know, man. That <laughs> but okay, listener, thank you so much. We hope that uh, you are as excited for the group stages as we are. They do start tomorrow, the group stages. Uh, we're cracking on here. We're, I mean, sorry. Round of 16. We're cracking on here. Round of 16 games are cracking on. Do not sleep on them. Tomorrow we start. Uh, so make sure you tune in. Get your streams up. Get your stream. Everything. Everything. Just get it all up. So anyway, maybe let me, I'll let the brother say goodbye and we'll close it out. Uh, let me start with my boy Mangoro. Go over to the boy Sangi and then we'll close it out with Nana and uh, we'll let the listeners go. So uh, over to you, Mr. Mangoro. Thank you, Mr. Mutsa. Uh, I'd like to say thank you, listener, for tuning in today. Um, continue watching the World Cup, and I'd like to say thank you to my 
guests here. I know I remember at the beginning I mentioned uh, us being guests here. We're not the hosts of this because when I think of this podcast, I think it's bigger than us. I think we're, we're just a means to an end. I think it's, it's, it's about you, listeners. It's all about the listeners out there. This, this is bigger than us. This is not about us. So we're just here as guests uh, trying to uh, steer the ship in a certain direction but it's not really for us it's for it's it's for your listeners this you own this platform this is your platform listener so yeah thank you enjoy the world cup uh, enjoy the the predictions we dropped today and be sure to reach out to the first brothers podcast if you if you have any interesting topics for them because at the end of the day this is for you listener dear listener as my brother mongoro said listener this one's for you. It's for you, dear listener. It's all for you. And uh, once again, we are happy that you are rocking with us. Another episode of the Forest Brothers podcast. Um, I'd like to thank my three brothers here with me today. Nana, Mongoro, Muta. Great having this conversation with you boys. And I am looking forward to having many more as this tournament progresses. And, uh, you know, with all the thrills and spills of the World Cup, you know, I'm I'm very excited, dear listener. I'm very excited, and uh, yeah, catch you boys on the next one. Isn't it exciting to get football every single day? I mean, I can't be the only one who's excited to be watching the greats of their representative countries play every day. You know, fight to the very end, even if there's 15 minutes of added time. I'm excited, especially tomorrow. You know, tomorrow we can either laugh at our American counterparts or we could be like, hey, good job. Um, guess who you're facing in the next round? You know, um, I'm excited to watch Argentina play. I'm excited to see Messi put on a show as well. We obviously can't sleep on the Australians, but, you know, once you have Messi, you know all is well with you. And, you know, this. More football. Give me more football. I don't even want it to end. Thank you for you. Thank you for listening. Um, we hope to meet and talk to you guys again. And um, this is the Forest Brothers podcast. <laughs> it certainly is. And as my brothers are saying here, we are the part of the people. So make sure you tell your friends, tell your family, tell your cousin, tell your grandpa, tell your grandma, everybody. Let them listen to the Forest Brothers podcast because we are here for you as you are for us. But anyway, listener, thank you very much. And we'll catch you on the next one. Peace out.